Hey, dudes and dudettes, Drew here. Welcome to The Anxious Truth. It's episode 85 of the podcast. I appreciate you stopping by. Today, we are going to talk about heart anxiety. So this is anxiety, fear, and worry that is intensely focused on and centered around your heart, the function of your heart, your heartbeat, feeling your heartbeat, flutters and palpitations, worrying that your heart is going to stop, worrying that you're going to damage your heart, worrying that you're going to have a heart attack, all of those things. We're going to talk about this for the next 20, 30 minutes. So if this is an issue for you, which judging by the response from my Instagram post that prompted this, it's a worry for many, many people. So if it's a worry for you, then then this is where you want to be. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea or something, and, and let's get into this. Before I start, of course, I am absolutely obligated to say I am not a medical doctor or a cardiologist, um, and I am always operating for the next 20, 30 minutes in this podcast episode, I am operating under the assumption that your heart is perfectly healthy. You do not have any cardiac disease. You don't have any underlying structural problems. Odds are, if you're watching me, I'm sorry, if you're listening to me, I guess you'd be watching on YouTube. But if you are listening to me right now, odds are you have probably been checked many times by general practitioners, cardiologists, and all kinds of specialists. There's a good chance of that. So all of my advice here and what I'm going to talk about assumes a healthy heart. So if you do have an actual heart issue, that is something that you will manage with your doctors, right? Now, anxiety may come along with that, but just at least be aware as we go forward here that I am always addressing people who actually do have a healthy heart. So let's talk about that for just a second. Um, my assumption is that you have a healthy heart because you have been checked out by a doctor, doctors, multiple doctors, and multiple facilities possibly. That's not unusual. And every one of them has told you that your heart is perfectly fine. It's working exactly as it should. Even if you're having what some people would call flutters or palpitations or ectopic beats, your cardiologist, your doctors may have already told you like, oh, that's okay. Those are totally harmless. Your heart is fine. The issue here is even after you've been cleared by a doctor or multiple doctors over multiple visits or even many years of multiple visits, you may still believe that they are wrong. The doctor must have missed something and you are worried about your heart. This manifests in a bunch of different ways. You're either worried about your heart going too fast, and this might be because you have some sort of health anxiety and you're worried that a rapidly beating heart is a sign of danger or it will damage your heart. You may be worried about your heart beating too hard, and that is that thing where you can feel it pounding in your chest. So usually the the thumping, and I could feel it pounding, goes hand in hand with it's going really fast, but not necessarily. Some people can have a relatively low heart rate, but still suddenly feel it pounding, or they feel it in their ears. Um, and then the third one is the ectopic beats, the irregular beats, the flutters, the skip beats, whatever you want to call them. Usually they're premature ventricular contractions, but... But those things that every human heart actually does, but we don't always feel them and we feel them more when we are in a sensitized and anxious state. So you have those three things. You have your heart rate, you have how hard your heart is pumping, and you have the regularity of your heartbeat. So there's a few different things going on here. You may be completely focused on, on the fact that feeling your heart is bad because you're afraid that there's something wrong with your heart. And the first thing I want to address is there's two things about being things being wrong with your heart. You may be convinced that you have actually some cardiac problem that will lead to a cardiac episode like a heart attack um, that doctors have just simply not found. They must be wrong. And you you continue to believe that this is true, right? Um, the other thing that people worry about is they literally worry that somehow their heart will just randomly stop beating. 
So many of you listening to me right now will say like, yes, I worry about that. And believe me, I've heard many, many people talk about this. The underlying fear is that somehow or other your heart might just stop beating. So when you feel it in any way, especially if you feel in a regular heartbeat, you interpret that as this is a sign that my heart could potentially just stop beating right now. So you, people are either worried about having a heart attack or something along those lines, or they are worried about their heart just like spontaneously stopping for some reason. Both of those things are irrational. We're not going to get into like, I'm not going to talk about the structure of your heart. I'm not a cardiologist. Excuse me. And these are all things that you can actually read about yourself. Although I would highly urge you to not do that. If you've already done your research, you've talked to your doctors and you'd be cleared, continuing to Google and search and read and research and talk about your heart, how your heart works and trying to understand everything that might make your heart beat faster, harder or, or flutter is, is a dead end. It's keeping you stuck. So don't do that. So we're not going to talk. I'm not going to give you reassurance about why your heart goes fast or why it beats hard or why you have ectopic or irregular flutter type beats once in a while. I'm not going to do any of that. What I'm going to do is directly address the fact that that worry that there's something wrong with your heart, you're either going to have a heart attack, damage your heart, or your heart will stop beating. Those are unfounded, irrational fears. Assuming that you have a healthy heart, that's not going to happen. A human heart is really hard to stop. So nobody's heart just stops beating for no reason. That doesn't happen. And when you're afraid of that or afraid of a heart attack, afraid of all those sort of things, afraid of the ectopic beats because you think they're going to stop your heart or otherwise cause you some sort of harm, then what tends to happen is you, you start to modify your behavior so that you try to make them not happen. So people who are worried about a rapid heart rate or they just don't want to feel their heart, like I hate when I feel it, like a lot of people say, I just don't want to feel my heart beating at all, like it, it reminds them of the fear. They are either worried about some horrible event that will lead to death or the other thing that happens that we need to talk about is that especially in the case of a racing heart where your heart rate goes way up or it's beating really hard, uh, people associate that with panic, right? So when we are in a high anxiety state where we're frightened and we're in the middle of panic, then our heart rates go way up. That's normal. That's, that's physiology. It's the way it's supposed to work. And your heart will beat super fast or it'll feel like it's pounding. You might feel your heart beat in your ear uh, and that sort of thing. Um, people will either be worried, like I said, about there's some structural problem and there's an, a literal heart problem that's going to kill them, or you've just associated the sensations of a rapid heartbeat with panic. So therefore, in any one of these cases, whether you're worried that you're going to damage your heart, you have already damaged it or going to make it worse, you're going to have a heart attack, your heart is going to spontaneously stop beating and you will die, or you don't think those things, but you're still afraid of that because it feels like panic and you want to avoid panic. In all of those cases, what winds up happening when you leave that fear unchecked and you do not address it and reverse it is you begin to change your behavior slowly at first, then in a big way over time. And you may relate to the fact that you will avoid anything that you think is going to make those heart sensations come to the top. Right. So what is super common is people that maybe formerly loved to exercise, either engage in a sport or an athletic activity, or maybe like to go to the gym, run, get on a treadmill, do cardio, lift, whatever. People who are used to be like really avid, like um, sports and exercise enthusiasts will stop doing those things. Like I hear it all the time. I used to love to run. I used to love to play tennis. I used to love to be in the gym. I used to do this and that. I can't do it anymore because it makes me panic. 
Well, I did a whole series of two videos that I can link to in the in the description. If you if you go to theanxioustruth.com and use the search and search for exercise, you'll see the two episodes that I did that. That is super common. You'll stop exercising because when you exercise, your heart rate goes up and that freaks you out because it feels like panic and you don't want to panic. You'll avoid it at all costs, so you stop exercise. Now, that's exercise. That's intentionally going into a gym or playing a sport or something where you know your heart rate's going to go up. But let's take that to a further degree. Many people will stop exercising. They'll stop going to the gym. They'll stop playing their favorite sports and things of that nature. But then some people will even take it beyond that. Some people don't want to do anything that is any form of physical exertion. Climbing steps, pushing a cart through a supermarket, lifting anything heavy, bending over to pick something up, eating something, right? So all things that a normal, healthy human body will respond to with an elevated heart rate, when we eat, our heart rates go up. When we push a wagon, our heart rates go up. When we lift something heavy, not even doesn't even have to be that heavy, your heart rate will go up. So left unchecked, this fear of your heartbeat, whether it's based on association with panic and you're trying to avoid panic at all costs, or it's, it's associated with a fear that something is wrong with your heart and your heart is going to kill you spontaneously, in all, both of those cases, it can lead to the sensation of exercise. You'll stop exercising, <clears throat> excuse me, or it could also lead beyond that to not wanting to climb steps or not wanting to eat too much or not wanting to bend over to tie your shoes, not wanting to walk too far, avoiding any sort of exertion that will elevate your heart rate. So that becomes the problem, right? This Here's the problem. Problem is you're avoiding a bunch of things. There's a bunch of stuff that you won't do anymore, all because you are afraid to feel your heart in some way. You're either afraid that it's going to go too fast, it's going to thump too hard, you're going to feel it, or you might get those dreaded flutters, right? So, and what happens is the behavioral and lifestyle modification that begins to cramp your life because now there's a bunch of stuff that you won't do because you're afraid of your heart all the time. And in the most extreme cases, I have also seen people who will literally become glued to their bed or their sofa or their favorite chair, and they are quite literally afraid to do almost anything but be completely still because they they start to think that their goal is to keep their heart rate at the lowest level it can be at all times because they get so afraid of an elevated heart rate. That's the most extreme uh, case. Uh, the other thing that some people wind up doing is they start to really seriously curtail the things that they will eat or drink. Um, and some of it, we know, some of it is well known. They'll stop drinking coffee or or ingesting anything that has caffeine in it because that'll elevate your heart rate. That's normal. We know that. And that's an obvious one. But there are also some people who will begin to associate rapid heartbeat with almost any food they eat. So I don't know, I ate some oatmeal and my heartbeat went faster, so I better not eat any more oatmeal. And then they begin to eliminate more and more foods and beverages from their world until they're stuck eating and drinking almost nothing uh, because they think that all of these foods somehow are magically calling it, causing an elevated heart rate when they are not. Just eating and drinking, generally speaking, is going to raise your heart rate. And most of the time, we don't even notice it. So if your resting heart rate is you know 55 or 60 and you're sitting there and you eat a banana, well, I mean, that right might raise your heart rate from 55 to 61. But it's a minor thing and we don't notice it. But if you're really always in tune with your heart, uh, then you're going to notice that and it may put you into freak out mode. So what winds up happening here? Not only do you have a behavioral modification, lifestyle modifications driven by this fear, either in association with panic that you must avoid at all costs or a fear that something will happen to your heart. Either way, it becomes a problem. Nobody wants to live that way. 
What are some of the things that also happen? You're keenly in tune with your heart. So in this day and age, you know, it used to be that you'd have to put your fingers up to your neck and like look at your watch to see how fast your heart was beating and measure it. But now, unfortunately, we have all kinds of devices on our bodies all the time that will tell us instantaneously what our heartbeat is. So if you have an Apple watch or a fitness watch of some kind, a Fitbit, a whatever, a Garmin watch, I mean, I'm wearing one right now that has a heart rate sensor, so I can always look and see what my heart rate is. But if you have the ability to measure your heart rate all the time, uh, that could be a problem. So people start to become completely obsessed with how fast is my heart beating now? How is it doing now? How is it doing now? So I hear all the time people who had to literally throw their Apple watch away or throw their Fitbit away, give it away, sell it like they couldn't wear it anymore because they spent so much time looking at that number and attaching significance to that number that it was destroying their lives. So we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. We have we have a fear of some sort of underlying heart problem that's going to lead to some sort of incapacitation or death. We have a fear of panic itself that you're trying to avoid and you associate rapid and hard heartbeat with that. Uh, then we have the, all the behavioral modifications and lifestyle like restrictions that come along with trying to avoid all those things. And then we have the obsession with constantly being aware of, can I feel my heart now? How fast does it feel? Some people who will continue to look at their Apple Watch or their Fitbit or always walk around checking their pulse with their fingers the old-fashioned way. I better check to see, better check to see. I've known people who will literally check their pulse to see if it's still there. So, I mean, if you're really looking for evidence of the irrationality of the fear, Somebody who's actually standing upright or walking down the street with their finger on their neck or their wrist, trying to make sure that their pulse is still there while they are actually walking. And and believe me, we've all been there. Many of us have been there. I have probably been there once or twice in my life where I've done that. I mean, the ludicrousness of that, you would you would agree in a, in a calm moment, um, it seems insane, right? Like you're literally walking. You must be alive. So why are you checking to see if your heart is still beating? Of course it is. So the bottom line is you wind up with an irrational fear based on some sort of thing that's centered around your heart. You begin to modify your behavior and your lifestyle in ways that you don't like and you would rather not do. And then you become obsessed with that heart rate and you are checking it, checking it, checking it, checking it, checking it. All right. So how do we address these things? A lot of people are trying to address them by by just I, well, let me just read one more article about how that's not true. Let me read. Let me look at one more website about the heart. Let me look at this person who says don't eat lima beans because lima beans make your heart beat fast. So I uh, just stop eating those and everything will go away. Most people will try to address this problem by finding ways to like directly address the function of their heart whether it's something special that they eat and drink or don't eat and don't drink, activities that they will engage in or not engage in. Uh, I mean, I know I throw this stuff out all the time, but people spend a tremendous amount of time trying to induce a relaxed state. They're going to have essential oils and crystals and meditation and all these things, but they're doing it in order to keep their heart rate down. Like if I could just stay relaxed, then it'll be okay. My heart will be safe. I can't stress my heart. So that's obviously an issue, right? Right? We, we don't want to do those things. That's how people most likely are going to try to address this issue. They will address it with avoidance. They will try to start to micromanage their heart rate or anything even remotely associated with their heart rate physiologically. Um, it becomes really ugly because there's only so many things that you can do to directly try and micromanage your heart rate. Lay down and never get up. That's one of them. Uh, but you know, on, on the flip side of that, there are people who literally get up and run all day long because they want their heart to beat faster because they're trying to like train for a race or something like that. 
So that's the usual way that people try to address this is I'll just stop exercising. So in the post that I did on Instagram that 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 prompted this whole podcast episode, many, many people chimed in and said like, yeah, that's why I can't exercise anymore. I used to love to exercise, but I can't anymore because it, it makes me panic. It makes me anxious. I, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, so most people will try and address this heart problem with avoidance. They'll just try to find ways to not make their heart beat any way they don't want them to. Right. So um, that's the usual way, but that's not the way we're going to talk about now. So for the next 10, 15 minutes, we're going to talk about how you should do this. And again, we are operating under the assumption that you have a perfectly healthy heart and you've been told that by doctor, doctors, specialists, specialists, and tests all over the place. The way you actually need to do this, and you know what I'm going to say, and you're going to hate that I say it, is that you must, we're going to use these same principles of facing the things you fear, going toward them, exposing yourself to them, exposure, right? Response prevention, and you must start to actually work on the things that make your heart go or your heart rate go up. So if you are terrified of elevating your heart rate in any way, for whatever those reasons is, whether it's because you think it's like panic or you think you're going to die if it happens, then the only way to do it is you have to actually start making your heart beat faster. Now, how do we do this? Super easy. Like, first of all, just the fear itself is going to do it. So when you're when your phobia is centered around the your heart rate, well, it becomes super easy to induce a rapid heart rate, even sitting down. And I'll tell you why. I mean, part of what we're going to talk about mirrors some of the stuff that I did um, in my two-part series about, about exercise and anxiety. Uh, but in a, in a situation where we're going to talk about like, well, you got to start to do the things that elevate your heart rate. You got to do it in a controlled way. And you have to learn to experience that, that elevated heart rate without reacting to it, trying to stop it or, any, or run from it. Um, often just thinking about doing those things like, oh, you want me to get up and walk in place? Like even thinking about it will elevate your heart rate. So there's about a zillion ways voluntarily and involuntarily that your heart rate's going to go up. So you, the first thing that I'm going to tell you is before you can start to solve this heart problem, which is not a heart problem, it's an irrational thought and fear problem, is you're going to have to be okay with the fact that the thing that you are most afraid of most afraid of your heart is the thing that you must now start experiencing, right? So if you're not okay with that, and you think you are insane, that is clearly the wrong way to do it, then you could stop listening now, because that's what we're going to talk about. How do we do this? We can use a thing called interoceptive exposure. So people who are, uh, say, dealing with things like panic disorder, where they're afraid of panic attacks, therapists, a good behavioral therapist will often use a thing called interoceptive exposure. And in an interoceptive exposure, you are intentionally bringing on the symptoms of panic. So the most common things are getting up and jogging in place to elevate your heart rate because you don't, you're afraid of your heart rate. So the therapist might make you get up in your chair and get up out of your chair and, and either walk in place or jog in place to make your heart rate go up. Another common thing that, that, that happens in interoceptive exposure is addressing the dizziness thing. I'm going to spin you around in the office chair. You know, those swiveling chairs that are in an office? Therapists will slowly spin you around and start to make you dizzy. Another thing to do is the feeling of shortness of breath. And I've seen that addressed a couple of different ways. One of which sometimes is like pinching your nose, you know, try and breathe with your nose pinched. Another one would be a therapist who maybe puts a straw or two in your mouth and says you got to breathe through the straw. And it... it it simulates that feeling of being short of breath. The bottom line is the goal of interoceptive exposure is to say, okay, these things that I fear so much, I'm going to intentionally make them happen in this controlled way. Like I know they're going to happen now. 
And when they happen, I'm going to take my usual response, which is to get terrified and to stop and try and make it all go away. And I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit there and let my heart beat at 110 beats per minute and just let it do that. And even though my brain is screaming at me that this is dangerous, stop, sit down, do something, call for help, whatever it is your your safety and coping and avoidance and escape mechanism is, you're not going to do those things. So interoceptive ex- using the, the idea of interoceptive exposure to deal with your heart anxiety is essentially making intentionally planning, you plan to do these things at a specific time for a specific duration in a specific sequence, and you're going to plan to make your heart beat faster and harder. You're just going to plan to do that. And when it happens, when you want to sit down, call for help, talk to your boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, father, whoever makes you feel better about that, reach out for like, it's okay, I'm, I'm okay, right? And you wanna to repeat to yourself, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, an argument you will never ever win when you're, when you're afraid, you're not gonna do any of those things. You're just gonna silently, quietly, and the most relaxed way you can, experience the beating of your heart. So you're gonna to have to take the leap of faith that says my heart is healthy, a human heart is designed to beat harder when it must do work. That is what it has been designed to do. So when your heart is elevated in its rate and you've gone from 65 beats a minute to 130 beats per minute because you're running, then your heart is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And the trick here with interoceptive exposure is to just experience it doing that. You will be terrified of it initially because you've learned to be afraid of it, but being afraid of it doesn't actually make it dangerous. So we're, we're always going back to the, that thing where feeling afraid doesn't mean that you are unsafe, right? Fear and, uncom- and discomfort do not equal danger. And you use interoceptive exposure targeted toward your heart to elevate your heart rate, make it beat faster than you're comfortable with, and just let it do that. That's the deal. But when I say you do it in a planned way, in a systematic way, in a sequential way, there's a method to the madness here. You don't go from like, I heaven forbid I have to climb two stairs to going to the local high school track and sprinting around it eight times. You don't do that. What you basically do is you're gonna start to approach it in a slow and incremental way. So if you are living a life where you, you will absolutely not say, eat a particular food that you are convinced will make your heart beat faster, you're gonna have to start taking little nibbles of that food. And your heart will beat faster because you're afraid to do it. Just experience it. If you are living incredibly a sedentary life where you don't wanna move too fast or too much or you won't climb stairs, you're going to have to stand up and start doing even the most basic things. Just walking around your living room twice will raise your heart rate. So my resting heart rate is around 53 to 55 beats per minute. If I stand up and walk to the refrigerator, my heart rate's gonna go up to 85 beats per minute within 10 seconds or faster. Like I can look at my watch and see that. Right now, just talking to you, and you can't see me because I'm not on camera, but my heart rate has been between 85 and 95 beats per minute because I'm just, I use my hands a lot and I'm very animated when I talk. So yeah, I'm doing work. And talking means I'm breathing harder, which means my heart rate is up, right? So that's normal. You're gonna start slowly. So if you are terrified of your heart rate because of something you eat or drink, you have to take little sips of those beverages, little nibbles of that food, and just sit there and let your heart race. Just do it. If you're afraid of, of inducing a rapid heart rate through activity like exercise, I'm not saying you got to jump on a treadmill and start sprinting or run to the gym and start lifting 600 pounds. What I'm saying is you got to get up out of the chair and just start to raise your heartbeat 
just to that point where it's like, ooh, this is super uncomfortable. Now I want to stop. Okay, that's fine. Give yourself 30 seconds of walking in place. And don't stop until the 30 seconds are up. And then you're going to just sit there and let your heart beat. And that's it. The next time you do it, you're going to do 45 seconds and then 60 seconds and then two minutes and then three minutes. And then after a while, you're going to have to work harder because now if you get your heart rate up, say, to 80 beats per minute and that freaks you out, over time, you'll get used to 80 beats per minute. Now you got to get used to 100 beats per minute. So you're going to, that's the deal. That is the overall plan here of interoceptive exposure. It's just the same way that I described in my old videos. How are you going to get back to exercising when you've been afraid to do it? So let's address activity. And I would say you're going to start to add the smallest amount of activity that gets your heart rate to the point where you're afraid of it. You got to start doing that activity just to the point where your heartbeat is almost intolerable to you. That's fine. Over time, as you acclimate, you're going to have to work harder and harder to get your heart rate higher and higher because your tolerate your, your tolerance point is going to start to go up. Whereas maybe you can't tolerate 75 or 80 beats per minute now. In, in a month, you should probably be able to easily tolerate that. And now you got to go up to 90 beats, then 100, then 110. And sooner or later, it won't matter anymore. Like you'll be able to actually sprint around the track at the high school and be okay with the fact that your heart is pounding and you're gasping for air. That's okay. This is the way that goes. Now, let's talk about the food and drink thing or little nuances like I'm afraid to bend over. I'm afraid to tie my shoes. I'm afraid to stand up too fast. Those are the things you'll have to do. So... I know I'm not giving you anything that's that I haven't given you a million times before, but the way to to do this to address this heart anxiety thing is to literally do things that you are refusing to do now that will elevate your heart rate to the point where it makes you uncomfortable and then you must sit in that discomfort quietly and calmly. And I understand that you won't really be calm, you'll be terrified, but you can still do the best that you can to relax your body and just do nothing but breathe while your heart pounds. And you will learn the more you do that, that, oh, look, my heart can pound. I don't do anything to save myself and I wind up okay. This is the way that you desensitize yourself to your own heart so that the fear that you have developed of your own heart can be reversed out. You can unlearn that fear, but you have to be willing to be afraid and uncomfortable in order to do it. So if you tuned in hoping that I was going to give you some magic bullet that would make your heart stop racing or make your flutters go away. Let's talk about flutters for just a second. I, and I said I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to do like the reassurance thing. But it's hard to expose yourself to, to PVCs or ectopic, extra beats, flutters, palpitations, whatever you want to call it. Because sometimes we don't know when they're going to happen. But, but if you are doing things, if you are doing things to keep them from happening, like I know people who have absolutely decided they cannot eat certain foods because certain foods will cause those that's wrong start to eat those foods you're gonna have to start to eat small amounts of those foods now that you may or may not experience those ectopic beats but generally speaking you have to learn when they do happen if you're dealing with ectopics pvcs and things like that your job is to start to do the things that you've been doing to keep them from happening right? Keep them from happening. And your response is going to be like, oh no, this is, this is terrible. You're going to get afraid. You just got to go ahead and be afraid. Relax your body and breathe. Be afraid. Then keep doing the activity. So if you're, if you're dealing with foods and drinks that you think, you know, foods and beverages that you think are going to cause ectopic beats, you're going to have to start eating and drinking those things in small quantities and just experience the fear of doing it. 
And then when you do experience ectopic beats, and many of you can understand that there are specific circumstances that you can almost predict they're gonna happen in, then you gotta start going into those circumstances, right? Um, because you have to get to the point, and I, I can tell you that those that was an issue for me too. I can still, I still occasionally have PVCs, my heart just does that. Uh, and it used to be if I had a PVC, an ectopic beat, a flutter, or what a skip beat, whatever it is, it would send me into a complete panic and I'd be done for a day and a half, which would then lead to more. So now I know if I'm having them, it means that I'm too sleep deprived, too stressed, and running myself into the ground. That's a signal for me. But I have gone from one ectopic beat would, would put me out of commission for literally a day and a half or two days to the point where I can be in the gym in the middle of like heavy deadlifts or squats or whatever it is that I'm doing or on a treadmill and have, you know, a couple of PVCs and nothing. You know, the initial, there's always an initial startle with those. That's just normal. But then that's in, that's in the first second. By the second, third, fourth, fifth second, I'm doing nothing. I'm just lifting still. So it's possible to do that. I did that. Many people do that. And you begin to learn like, well, if I don't brace, when I have an ectopic beat, if I don't go into panic mode and start running around like, you know, it's, it's the end of the world, if I do nothing and just continue to do whatever it is that I'm doing when I have one of those, holy cow, I still wind up okay. And then you'll learn that like all of the stuff that you've been doing to specifically address your heartbeat, you know, high heart rate or pounding heart or feeling your pulse or having ectopic beats, all of those things that you have been doing to try to specifically address that problem have never ever been needed. Because I'm gonna wrap this up by telling you flat out that none of what you have ever done to save yourself from your own heart has saved you from your heart. None of it. So you're gonna to have to be willing to hear that and accept that as true. None of what you are doing today to, that is specially designed to save you from your heart or some sort of heart related thing is doing anything but perpetuating this disorder and that's what has to change right so hopefully we're right about at the 30 minute mark that's about as long as i want to go with this hopefully this has made sense and i have addressed the things that people have been asking me to address rapid heart rate pounding heart feeling your pulse in your ear flutters your heart stopping having a heart attack or it feels like panic and all the crazy things that people wind up doing and i used to do them too so i'm going to go ahead and call them crazy because i used to do crazy things too uh, to try and keep all those things from happening. Like, oh, I can't make my heart beat. Anyway, so we're gonna wanna use a, interest to the principles of interoceptive exposure to intentionally start to expose yourself to the thing you fear the most without going into total freak out mode. Now, I'll give, give you 45 more seconds on that to clarify again, because I know that people need to hear it more than once. When I say not going into freak out mode, I don't mean not being afraid. So when you do these things, exposure by definition is exposing yourself to the things that you fear. So you will be afraid, right? That doesn't mean that you did it wrong. You're going to be afraid or that it's a bad thing. So when I say don't freak out, I'm not saying don't be afraid. What I'm saying is you're gonna be afraid, but just don't react to that. Like go ahead and be afraid for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. But if you don't react to it, then that fear will naturally dissipate and your heart rate will go back down the way it's supposed to. Because in the end, if you have a normal, healthy heart, which I'm assuming you all do that are listening, then your heart is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing at any given time to keep you alive. And not only just keep you alive, because your heart is not this horrible, fragile little you know, thing that can break so easily. Your heart is an amazing machine. 
and it, it is just doing what it is meant to do, which is spectacular. So let it do it. All right, so that's kind of all I have to say on this one. Um, as always, comments, questions are welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing a still image and listening to my voice, give me a thumbs up, a like. If you're listening as a podcast, whatever platform you're on, what I have discovered is that reviews matter. So if you could take a second and pop yourself over to iTunes, if you're on an Apple device and, and give me a, a review, maybe a four or five star rating, that would be hugely helpful. Because if you like the podcast, that helps me get the word out so that other people can like the podcast too. So I appreciate you coming by. As always, comments, questions, responses, whatever it is, all welcome all the time. Follow my links to social at theanxioustruth.com. Join the Facebook group. It's an awesome community. You get to ask all your questions there. And uh, thanks for stopping by. And I'm going to see you guys in the next one. Have a good one. Somebody told me that you do or die. But I believe all you can do is try And as the city stands ten stories high I'm gonna live my life It's all around you, you can breathe it in And this is where your story